Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, hello, everybody. It's Jill Weber, and uh, I'm here today with Graham Stewart uh, from Scotland. You'll, 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 when you hear his voice, you'll know <laughs> where he's from. Graham, tell us a little bit about yourself sort of where where you're situated and, and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so um, I, I am Scottish, although I'm actually living in, in the West Country. I live in Bristol these days, I'm, where I work as a cardiologist, working with children and, and young adults. Um, I'm a, a member of the Church of England, and I'm, I'm one of our local church wardens. Uh, and I'm a fairly recent member of the Order of the Mustard Seed. And uh, yeah, what else about me? I'm a father of three adult children. I'm a grandfather of four, three of whom are running around the house somewhere. And they've been, as we talked earlier, they've been hidden away and told not to come and disturb Gramps when he's on the on the computer. Uh, yes, and that's me. I'm married to a lovely wife, Maggie, who we've been married for 40 years. Wow. Um, yes, and so that, that's me. And uh, yeah. So, member of the Order of the Mustard Seed. So, why why on earth would a cardiologist want to join a lay ecumenical religious order? What's with that? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been a, a journey, and I suppose one of the things about life as a Christian. I've been a Christian since a teenager, really. Is that it? Very much is a spiritual journey, and this has been part of my spiritual journey. Um, I suppose I, I was actually reading. Um, uh, Act three, and uh, there's a commentary that I follow with a, a chap, uh, Professor Willie Barclay, who was a Scottish theologian who died a number of years ago. And what Willie Barclay said um, was, um, if I just find it, he said, as long as a Christian thinks only of what they can do and be, there can be nothing but failure and frustration and fear. But where a Christian thinks of not I, but Christ in me, there can be nothing but peace and power. And that quotation was, I suppose, enforced in me a need to sort of make my faith much more part of not just a Sunday or an evening, or but much more something that infused in me. And I've been more and more aware of the benefits of contemplation. I've always been interested in the Celtic aspects of, of, of Christianity uh, and I've been reading more and more about that and then I started getting involved with Lectio 365 uh, and I found the, the whole contemplative side of faith very beautiful and very affirming um, and so I guess that's that's where it came from uh, and uh, I investigate a little bit I've, I've used the 24-7 prayer app for, for a couple of years now I think probably more or less since it came out and this, the idea of just making prayer constant, uh, communion with God constant and having Christ more and more dwelling within me. Very much an imperfect vessel to carry that, but nonetheless. So that, that's where it came from. And the, the, when I heard about the Order of the Mustard Seed, I wanted to find out more about it. And that led me on to the year of, of study and, and so on. And uh, as it turned out... Um, some good friends of mine were both members of the Order of, of the Mustard Seed, 
So um, Catherine Richard Hill, who I didn't, I didn't even know they were members of. <laughs> so I ended up, um, I play, I play football with Richard every week, and but we, I wasn't aware of this. So yeah, so I ended up going on the journey and found it uh, quite life changing in lots of ways, and that's led me on to. Uh, other aspects of life, including a, a journey across the Atlantic, which I'll mention later. But so that, that was it, really. I suppose to make my faith much more of a, a transformational faith in some senses. Um, as I moved to a different phase in life, as I moved to semi-retire from my National Health Service work as a cardiologist, to actually really let my belief change me much more than it has done in the past. Wonderful. So, so Graham, talk to me about rowing. So you rowed across the Atlantic? Yes, I did. Yes. It's a long boat trip. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so first tell us the what and then tell us the why. Well, the what. So what I, I did was I joined a, a group of 11 others and we rowed from uh, Tenerife to Antigua uh, in December and January. So finishing January this year. So you picked you picked a nice warm time of the year to do it. Well, believe it or not, it is a warm time of the year. Uh, where you're rowing, it is because you start off in Tenerife, you row south a bit, then hit the easterly winds, and then head across the Atlantic uh, from from east to west. So that the idea is that you avoid the the biggest storms, or we didn't avoid all the storms. And and so you and so you were part of a team of eleven. And uh, and so why why row across the Atlantic? What was the, well, the motivation behind the madness? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really only in retrospect I'm I'm aware of why. Um, I've always I've always liked endurance sports, and that's how I relax. And often when I when I'm running, I'll pray or I'll listen to an unbelievable podcaster or, or even people like Billy Graham. Uh, you know, listen to. So that's when I do a lot of my thinking. Um, and then I was self-isolating from my COVID contacts and I saw a bunch of celebrities on television as I was channel flicking, as you do. Uh, they were rowing up the side of Scotland and in an ocean rowing boat. And I thought, well, that looked good fun. So I found out who was organising this and bludgeoned a daughter and two son-in-laws and we joined them as they rowed around the Isle of Skye uh, in the summertime. And then they said, well, we're doing the Atlantic in December. And I thought, well, why not? That showed, showed how naive I was. <laughs> but in fact, um, you know, God's use it as part of my journey. I think, I think I had to be taken away from this very busy life because I spent most of my life working just about every hour there is. And put me in a boat, surrounded me with sky and sea and absolute beauty and no input apart from, from uh, what was around me. And of the vows in order of the mustard seed, the one I've probably struggled with is take the gospel to all nations, uh, the evangelism side of, of my faith, because I've always found it, in my work, it's quite difficult. You're not able to be overt about your faith, although I, I don't hide it and I, I do share it when opportunity arises. But um, I've always found evangelism a little bit almost mercenary and you buying souls for God and, and I don't believe it works that way yeah. anyway so so um, I ended up in this boat and shortly I was raising money for tier fund and shortly after I got on the boat um, the the captain who was the only lady amongst 12 of us 
a remarkable lady called Lizzie. Lizzie said to me, Graham, I'd quite like you to do something on Sundays. And I thought, right, okay, I'm a cardiologist. I don't, don't do that sort of thing. But basically what we had was every Sunday we had a service. And this was a bunch of uh, 12 of us, 11 of whom really had no professed faith whatsoever. And we had an amazing time. So um, you're surrounded by beautiful scenery, sometimes wild and frightening scenery, but beautiful scenery. So the first thing I did was I played the blessing. In fact, it was the Celtic blessing, um, which uh, was a wonderful, and we played it loud. And, uh, and then I read them 1 Corinthians 13. And these guys were just blown away by the beauty of the, the words. They, they really hadn't heard. I think we forget that people do not know, do not know scripture nowadays. Um, and so each Sunday we had something and Christmas Day, um, we had the, the Stuart version of um, Easter, actually, more than, more than Christmas. And uh, it was about being significant in God's eyes. And uh, so I would find myself witnessing to these guys um, who were very different from me, a great bunch of people, uh, very laddish in their, <laughs> in their outlook. And, and I'm, I'm not really a sort of group person in that sense. But it was great, and we were able to share some really honest conversations on 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 both sides. Really, it was a wonderful time. So I was forced into an evangelical role, just sharing my faith uh, with the, these guys. So God used that opportunity, I think. How long was the boat trip in in total? Was it, it took forty one days, forty one three days. hours, and X number of minutes. So. Not that you were counting. <laughs> Not that we were counting. Yeah, so it was a lot, quite a long time. So tell us some some stories of the trip. Where did you see God at work in addition to having an opportunity to to share on Sundays? Well, lots of ways. I mean, one of the we, we rode for three hours on, and then we were off for three hours. Three hours on, off for three hours. So twenty four seven. There were no support boats or anything like that. So basically, when you were rowing, we would sing, uh, we would talk, and sometimes we would just think. And I had hours and hours of prayer time. So three in the morning, a full moon, shooting stars, big seas, and I would just pray and pray. I'd pray for my family, I'd pray for my church, pray for my friends, pray for myself. Um, and I found it, I, I was very close to God. And, and only subsequently did I learn how many people were praying for me. And there were lots from all over the place, because obviously there's a small risk to doing these things. And I really felt surrounded by God's love. Uh, so that, that was a very, very, very special time. People would share with me things that you might only share with somebody you, you've known for many, many years or even not at all. You, because we were in a position where you were vulnerable, there were only a small number of us. Um, for much of the time, we were closer to men in the space station at 250 miles away than we were to people on land, you know, a thousand miles away. So it was, it was quite a surreal and uh, special time. That's amazing. And you said there were some storms. There were storms, yeah. The, the first week was quite tough. The, the weather was, uh, was, it was wet and windy and there were big waves, you know, 30 footers at least. And you'd row up the waves and you'd surf down them. And uh, on one occasion... Wait, wait, so 30 footers. So how many stories is that of a building? Uh, it's the size of a fair size building. Um, <laughs> And the, the boat wasn't that long. I mean, there were 12 of us, but it, you know, it was open. You were open to the elements and you were 
strapped on with a climbing harness. Uh, so you'd row up these waves and then you'd surf down them. And then on one occasion, one came from the side and a few ended up in the water and we just about capsized. But the boat's beautifully designed by Rannoch Adventures that, that designed these boats. And, uh, and so it self-righted quite quickly. But I, I tell you, I did not feel in any sense at any time scared of what was happening. It was just uh, exhilarating, really. Felt very close to God. Amazing. And so what is, what's been the impact for you? What have you taken away from that time? I think, I mean, I came back and I have to say I found it quite difficult being back. Um, the, the need to have time for contemplation. You know, we hear about Jesus you know, climbing up the mountain to be on his own with God. And I think we need that. We need to build that into our existence, uh, into our faith. It's not enough just to have a quick prayer time or 10 minutes of this or that. You Sometimes you just need hours just to be with God and to bathe in, in his love and, and the spirit. And I suppose that's what I've learned, that our our soul yearns for that and just to to try to translate that into modern life, which can be difficult. So how are you how are you doing that? What have you made any changes in terms of your lifestyle and your rhythms? Well, I'm trying to. Um, it's it's a problem because as you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and uh, my plan had been to cut down my clinical work and my research work quite a lot, but in fact, you know, we've got a thousand patients waiting for outpatients. And so I'm actually, and I find it hard just to say, well, tough, you have to wait. So I'm doing extra clinics and all that sort of thing. Um, but I'm also aware that I am I need to take time away. Um, and so just, I mean, usually I do that with exercise, when going for long runs and so on. Um, and I need to do more, more of that, really, just to spend time with God. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What has been, um, in terms of the OMS, just coming back to that in general, um, so you found that you've had this invitation from God in the context of the rowing into responding to that, that taking the gospel to the nations. Have you experienced any other invitations from God since taking vows, in terms of living into some of those vows or some of the practices? Where have you seen God at work? Well, one of the one of the things about the OMS is of the, the three vows that we take, perhaps one of the most important is to be kind to people. Uh, and in fact, that uh, it was interesting, uh, going back to being on the boat, there were times when people were tired, were irritable. And I said at the start that we need to, our behaviour has to be characterised by the desire to be kind to each other. And so that was actually written up in the cockpit wall on both oh. ends, be kind to each other. And it became the kind of mantra. And I think that is a, it's a really important thing. Sometimes Christians are not very kind to each other or to other people. We, we get caught up with details of doctrine or details of this or that. And you see it all the time. And just to, to take it back to be kind to each other. I, so I think that's, that's really important. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm pulled up on it when you argue my wife will say, Graham, is that being kind? <laughs> this and is the danger of your spouse knowing that you've taken a vow to be kind. It is. <laughs> but, you know, she's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, if, 
if my behavior is not kind, then I need to think about why it's not kind. Um, and, and that links, of course, into being true to Christ. Uh, and and I've, I've increased my learning. I've been um, reading a book called The Showings by Julian of Norwich, which you may have come across, a wonderful book. Uh, and it's just about the overwhelming love of God and, and just trying to show that much more than all the other stuff that gets in the way sometimes. Oh, that's wonderful. I love the how you've had an opportunity on that trip to set culture in terms of setting a culture of kindness. And I think it's beautiful the way that you met God on the wild seas and, and just in the beauty of it all and the times for reflection and contemplation. I love how you had opportunity to just bring good news into that space, the captive, <laughs> the captive crowd, who I think was beautiful about that is they, you were invited. Yes. Right? Yeah, they invited you into that space to share who you were and, and what you carried. And, and, uh, and now you're just kind of working that out in your context, in your cardiology practice and, um, and in your marriage in terms of kindness. So is there anything else that you'd love to share with, with our listeners about the OMS and how it's impacted you? Well, one of the one of the things that on the day um, before we set off, um, there was a Alexio three six five by Nikosi Izikwi. Is that how you pronounce? Izwe Izwe Nikosi. Yeah. Um, and it was literally the day we we set off. And what uh, Izwe said was, "I relinquish the illusion that I have the right to judge or shame other people. May I be kind." and show grace always. That's what I listened to before we got on the boat. And then I met these, these guys from a wide variety of backgrounds, mostly unchurched. Some had had some relationship with the church in the years gone by. And one of the things that overwhelmingly came to me was, God loves these people. God loves these guys. And uh, they all had their own stories and backstories. And that, for me, was a real... Of course, I knew that in theory, but not in, I, I didn't feel it. Uh, and I, I really saw that, how I saw how God could just really love these people, saved and unsaved. And that, that for me was a wonderful thing. I learned more about God's love, I think, from that. That's amazing. Well, Graham, as we wind up, do you think you could pray for us? I'd love to. I'd love to. Heavenly Father, we just... Uh, Thank you for the privilege of being able to come before you. Father, thank you that you are a God who is omnipresent, that you're with us, whether we're sitting in a cathedral or sitting in the middle of the ocean. And Father, thank you that you're a God who loves us, who understands us, and that we are freed from ourselves by your loving grace. Father, thank you for the work of the OMS, the work of Jill and all her, her colleagues who do so much to lead this order. And Father, I just pray that, that you will use me and use the OMS to reflect your love to those about us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. 
For more information about the order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Amen.